0: is there a desire in you to not just attend revival but live in revival welcome to the revival lifestyle podcast i'm your host isaiah Saldivar. i've been in revival for the last 10 years as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the united states i'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis do please help me welcome dr bob larson dr bob larson how are you doing tonight
1: i'm great i'm almost exhausted from that introduction (laughs) i (laughs)
0: <laughs> wow!
1: Wow! What a life! I, I I don't I'm surprised I got any any energy left to do anything. But I am full of energy, tonight. Thank you so much for having me on the show and being with you. And it's just great to see uh, a new whole generation of people rising up and receiving the message of revival and deliverance, and lives being changed. And I really believe this is a new age. You and I both. Darkness is increasing exponentially all around us, and we have got to raise up a standard, and God bless you. I I just appreciate so much the fact that you've got the energy, the enthusiasm, the drive, and the gutsiness to do what you're doing and be a pioneer in this area. Uh, I was a pioneer in my time and my era. You're a new pioneer in your time and your era, and together we're going to come together, cross the generational divide tonight, and bring hope, healing, and truth to people who need delivered.
0: Absolutely. And I wanted to say, I know a lot of our audience here are new as well. Recently got saved, recently getting involved in deliverance ministry. I would love you, Dr. Bob, if you don't mind just sharing some of your background, maybe some of the stuff you've been through when it comes to deliverance. I know you've been on a lot of major networks, television. You've really, in my mind of anyone that I've seen in the body of Christ, you've really made deliverance, you know, mainstream. You've really brought it to the mainstream audience, the mainstream media. We know that churches, a lot of them are afraid to talk about deliverance, are afraid to do deliverance. Although, it is Jesus's ministry. Jesus was the one that introduced deliverance ministry. This was not a side ministry. This was a main ministry of Jesus. Sadly, we're not seeing this commonly in the American church. So I'd love for you if you'd share just some of your testimony, some of your story and kind of how you got into this whole ministry of deliverance and and became, you know, the main spokesperson, I would say in America, I made on the flyer, I said, America's exorcist, but you really are America's exorcist. I mean, really there's nobody that's done what you've done in the area of deliverance. So if you don't mind just maybe sharing some of that, that'd be awesome.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I, I think people need to understand that America is not the rest of the world. We are a small piece of the pie. Americans are a bit uh, spiritually egotistical because we've got so much of the gospel, so many great churches, and so many things that have been done from a missionary standpoint that we tend to be a little xenophobic about the rest of the world. But I have had the privilege, you said a moment ago, to minister in more than 100 countries. And when you get outside of North America, it's a very different picture. Mm. They do not look at the, the template of healing and deliverance and miracles and the supernatural of Christ the way it's looked at in America. So when it comes to the subject of deliverance, exorcism, and the casting out of demons, in America, what we've had now for many decades is the control of the media and the mind and mm. the gateway people's thoughts by a handful of people. And they're good people. They're good preachers. They preach the gospel, but they don't believe in deliverance. They certainly don't believe Christians can have demons, and they don't believe it's part of the gospel of Christ for our age and our time. And that's not only those with a dispensationalist view or a cessationist view, but a practical view, they just don't believe it's necessary. You could saved, that's it. You go on about your life. No need to break curses. No need to get delivered. No need to get free from anything Jesus has done at all. Well, I want to say to the people who are watching you, that is not the dominant spiritual worldview of the rest of the wow. planet. So when you get outside the United States, they know demons are real. You go to India, you go to Africa, you tell them Christian demons, they're going to laugh in your face. Because they know the Christians do have demons and they deliver from demons and they practice the deliverance of people all across socioeconomic strata strata, as well as from a theological standpoint. So here's the thing. In America, a handful of gatekeepers have brainwashed the American public into believing that either deliverance is not for our time, it is not for our age, it died at the end of the apostolic age, or... Yeah, it might happen, but it could happen in Africa. It certainly doesn't need to be happening here in America. Here's the problem with that viewpoint. In America, we're no longer a Christian nation. We're a post-Christian nation. Where, as you well know, we are a nation that come with the occult and demonic spirituality and the New Age. We are now what the rest of the world once was. And so now this is now invaded America. So the dominant worldview in America is a divinatory worldview. It is an occult worldview. It is not a Christian worldview anymore. That's what you and I and that's what your generation is going to be up against. So what was transformational in my life is that as as a young man, a little older than you, I traveled the world. I just took off. and I said, I'm going to go see the world. And in those days, you could buy a one-way, $1,300 plane ticket, unlimited stops, and go anywhere you wanted oh. on the planet. So I just took off and went. But here's what you discovered, Isaiah. When I got into to places like Asia, uh, when I got into places like Africa and the Middle East and India and so on, demonic manifestations were right out in the open. It was part of the religious template. You know, people would be having these various kinds of ceremonies. And I went from ceremonies from Nepal to Kathmandu to um, Indonesia, to Japan, to all over Africa. And I would see these demonic ceremonies. They would call the spirits. The spirits would enter into them, and they would have these demonic manifestations credited the power of their spirits. And I said, well, I mean, this is happening all over the world. Does this happen in America? Well, I came back to America, and I said, God, If there are demons here like there are over there, why isn't anybody doing anything about it? There was very little taught about the subject of demons. A handful of preachers had done a little something about it, but not much. I said, God, I want to see it. I want to know if it's real here. And boom, it started happening. And I couldn't get away from it, Isaiah. Wherever I went, people would walk up to me, you know? Uh, As as a youth revivalist of sorts, I'd be speaking in the church somewhere, and some kid would walk up to me and start manifesting. And this this wasn't happening to anybody else that I knew. And here was the thing. I had a choice. I could run the other direction and play the same game the rest of the preachers were playing, or I could deal with it. I chose to deal with it, and by God's grace, paid the price to get where we are today today. And I give God the glory for it because his grace sustained me through all of that. And uh, you have no idea the level of criticism, uh, the cruelty of the Christian community to someone like myself trying to deliver that message. But Isaiah, you and I are now seeing all around us with the rise of Satanism, witchcraft, the occult and the New Age, why this is so necessary. I'll shut up in a minute, but let me just say this. No, go ahead. I I was in Rishikesh India where the Beatles were meditating. The time they were there, first meeting with Maharishi. And then Maharishi comes to America, courtesy of the Beatles. And I was standing up and saying, folks, this is a cult, pagan religion. It's going to take over America if we don't watch Well, now, what has happened? All you got to do is go to Fairfield, Iowa, and see Maharishi University to understand how dramatically the American landscape of spirituality has been transformed. The major occult Hindu center of America is in the cornfields of Iowa, for crying out loud. This is what has happened to America. We didn't pay attention. We weren't watchmans on the wall. Sounding the warning about this invasion of the occult and the mystical Eastern spirituality, now it's taken over an entire generation. And I don't know about you, but I will say this. I've I've, I've commented on many times, people who get into this new age, occult kind of metaphysical spirituality are some of the hardest people to get demons out of and get delivered because the stuff is so infectious. In America, we're at a very dangerous tipping point. We are right now into the second to the third generation, by the time we get to the fourth it's going to control the mindset of America. We've got to have more Isaiahs. Stand up. Fight this fight. I'm so thrilled to be here with you. I'm so proud of what the Lord is doing. Other young men such as yourself are saying, we're not going to take it anymore.
0: Absolutely. And I think, you know, you've paved the way for guys like me in deliverance for so many years. And one thing that I've always talked about was guys like you guys like Don Dickerman, who's at the end of his life is, you know, guys like Derek Prince, guys like Frank Hammond, Lester Sumrall, some of these generals in deliverance ministry are going to be soon or have already gone to be with the Lord. And my cry has been God, who's going to take up the mantle? Who's going to take up the torch and who's going to really lead the way in deliverance ministry? For me, it was about seven months ago when God came came to our ministry and said, I have this assignment for you to really start focusing on spiritual warfare, not just once a year, but understand that there's many in the church and we just, we're at 3,100 viewers. So many of you listening know exactly what I'm talking about. Most of the majority of people I deal with in the church are demonized, are bound by demons and sadly pastors and leaders who I think a lot of them are hirelings, you know, the hireling being the one that doesn't guard the sheep from the enemy are not willing to (laughs) confront. And this is one thing I even wanted to touch on, talk to you about is that demons must be confronted a lot of pastors tell me Isaiah why are we not having manifestations if demons are so real I know there's pastors watching right now they say if demons are so real in America if the demonic is so real as you guys are always talking about why do I not see manifestations in my church and the, and the reality is demons are not going to manifest until you confront them demons are professional at hide and seek and they hide in darkness and there's not people willing in the body of Christ to rise up and it feels like Dr Bob we've literally edited out deliverance from. From the the gospel, we've edited out, we've taken it out. Even though the Bible says that deliverance is part of the atonement, you know, it says demons came out to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah spoke. It seems like we've edited out. And today, I was reading in Mark five when you know Jesus cast the demon out of the man at the tombs. But I saw something so interesting in verse fourteen that says and the people went out to see what happened. And the Bible says when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had once been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there. And I want everyone in the chat to listen here. Okay, there's 3,200 of you. Listen to this dressed in his right mind. And the Bible says the people were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what happened to the demon-possessed man and about the pigs. And then watch chat what it says here. Then the people began to beg Jesus to leave their city. Now, this is incredible to me because no one has a problem with the guy out on the corner on drugs or having demons. Everyone's fine in the church. The moment God starts moving in deliverance, the moment people start getting healed, the moment people go from being out of their mind into their right mind, now everyone's begging Jesus to leave. And what I've seen is when deliverance breaks out in a church, oftentimes pastors are just get that out of here. I don't want to deal with that Jesus. I want the Jesus, you know, of the American culture, this plastic synthetic Jesus, but they're afraid of the Jesus of the Bible. And according to acts eight, the only new Testament evangelist, Philip, Philip drove out demons. That was the mark of evangelism. And so I think, you know, this is so key that we're on here talking about this because we need to bridge this gap between all these people that are just this is some type of you know mystical idea and maybe one out of every 10,000 people have demons i'm convinced and i'll let you speak on this here in a minute i'm convinced a mass majority of the american church is is in demonic bondage is demonized and that greek being is you know under the power of a demon i'm not saying it owns you and i think that's i don't really like using the word possessed personally i just use the word demonized but under that demonic power and we need deliverance like never before in the body of christ we've seen perversion at an all time high new age at an all-time high just this last weekend, Dr. Bob, I was in North Carolina and people were coming, coming to our meeting saying, I just came out of new age two weeks ago. I, I had one guy come to me say, I'm a pastor's kid. I've been in new age. He's from Salem, Massachusetts. And he said, I just got saved a couple months ago from your streams. And I've come out of new age and I've wanted to come out for years, but I didn't have anybody helping me or training me or equipping me. So I think this has to become a mainstream ministry, you know, going forward in the body of Christ.
1: Well, one of the things that I constantly run into in when I'm doing my virtual encounters, which I do all day long, almost seven days a week with people, uh, as well as meeting with some in person, but I used to meet with more people on, on an in person basis before the COVID thing, is this they come to me and we have a section where, where they fill out a profile before I'll work with them and then ask the question, Have you had any deliverance prayers? And almost half of the people will say, Yes. Oh, I've had this prayer. I met with this person, this person, this person, this person. And then I I say, so? Well, they say I got a little better, but then not much better, and I got worse. Here's the pattern. I asked them, did anybody make a demon manifest? Did anybody actually call out that demon and force it to come forward and show itself? They said, well, no. Two minutes later, I've got a demon manifesting. You know why, Isaiah? Because I forced the issue. We've got to force the issue. Those demons are going to hide in church until we make them come out into the open. Now, that's very unpleasant for most churches and most pastors. In fact, the very first public exorcism I ever did was in a church when one of the staff members manifested in front of the whole Come congregation, on. and I was the one who got thrown out the door because of it. They didn't want to do it. The guy had been a new age chandler before he became a Christian. Became a Christian. Nobody said, hey, you not only need to get saved, you need to get delivered. And so the guy went on about the work of doing the Christian ministry. He went to seminary. Naturally, nobody in seminary taught him deliverance. We have an international school of exorcism, as you know, which is the largest training mechanism on the planet online to train people in exorcism. Why has nobody ever done that? I mean, I'm very honored the Lord called me to do it, but it's never been done before. But one of the things, Isaiah, we teach in our school of exorcism in the first couple of courses, before we teach you how to do deliverance, we teach you the biblical and historic foundation We are not the strange ones. Listen to me. You and I, Isaiah, are not the odd man out. It's the people out there who don't believe in deliverance and don't force the issue. Look at the life of Christ. I'm talking to the choir here. You know, Jesus cast out demons. Look at the apostolic age. They cast out demons. And when you look at the early church in the first three-plus centuries, it was normal. Everybody did it. People say, well, why wasn't there more word in the apostolic age, for example, with the writing of the epistles of Paul? And I'll tell you why. He taught about spiritual warfare, but he didn't need to tell anybody how to cast out demons because everybody did it. Everybody knew how to do it. But Isaiah, you know what happened after the of Milan and after the Constantine Age? Guess what happened? The church got rich. The church got lazy. The church became the status quo. The church became successful. Before the apostolic age, when they were facing the lions in the earth, they needed to demonstrate the power of Jesus over the pagan Greco-Roman gods. And they did it. But when they got fat and lazy and rich, they no longer needed this anymore. They left it behind. They said it doesn't matter. And they became the status quo. And that's the danger of the church in America. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit is shaking up the church in America right now. But American Christianity, can I say this? It's been too successful. It has been too successful. And as a result, they didn't need to demonstrate the power of Jesus Christ anymore. But as you and I well know, there's another young generation coming along. And isn't it isn't just sex, drugs, and rock and roll anymore. It's astral projection. It's putting curses on people. It's calling up evil spirits. It's a whole new age. So, what we teach in our school of exorcism is this it was biblical in the time of Christ, it was biblical in the apostolic age, it was part of early church history. They did it until they killed it. We've got to resurrect it, we've got to bring it back. And the Reformation brought it back a little But the irony was It was some monks in the 15th, 16th And 17th century hiding away Who were casting out demons Who came up with the Roman Catholic ritual of exorcism Now whatever you think about Catholics They at least had it They did something about it Martin Luther in the Reformation When he instituted Lutheran baptism There was an exorcism ritual In the baptism But they got rid of that In fact The Church of England a few years ago took out of infant baptism the declaration of the parents that they had to renounce the devil because they felt like that was an embarrassment. So this is the age that we're in today. But by God's grace, young men and women of God are being raised up like you to say, we're not going to take this anymore. We're going to demonstrate the power of Jesus Christ. And here's my point. We're going to force the demons into the open. We're going to take off the cloak. We're going to expose them, and you're going to see where they are. We don't care if it's on the deacon board or if it's on the the church staff. We're going to expose it, and we're going to make the devil own up to what he's done to the church
0: in America. So good. And Dr. Bob, I wanted to touch on what you said about that because a lot of young people, what I'm seeing right now, and I know there's a lot of them in the (laughs) chat here through social media. And this is one of the big reasons why, you know, I have the cool blue background. I try to, uh, to some level, cater to some of the younger generation. But what I'm starting to see, even this last week in North Carolina is 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds starting to get involved in deliverance and starting to drive out demons. I had one lady bring me her son. I want to say he was 13 or 14. She said, my son listens to you. 24 7. he watches you every single night on youtube he's involved he's wanting to do deliverance and her this is what her pastor said her pastor said i can't believe you let him listen to isaiah saldivar i mean think about this the (laughs) pastor is now more worried about me talking to her young person, then some secular TV or some video game or some magic. And she basically her response was what you're afraid he's going to actually hear the Bible. You know what I mean? You're afraid he's actually going to be equipped. But what I'm seeing is God is raising up these young people and this young army that are realizing deliverance is exciting. Deliverance is fun. And I want to say this to the chat. Listen, praise the Lord. We just hit 3,400. Let's get to 4,000 viewers live tonight. I want to tell you guys, deliverance is exciting. It's fun for a reason. Biblical Christianity was never meant to be boring. I know, a lot of adults tell me my kids are bored. They say Christianity is boring. And I tell young people this all the time. I've never done a deliverance. And then the young person helping me says, I can't wait till this is over so I can go play Fortnite or play video games. I've never seen someone get out of a wheelchair and a young person say, I'm bored. When is this going to be over? What we're giving people is a different Jesus, which, you know, second Corinthians 11, four talks about a different gospel and a different spirit. And it's a boring religious Christianity. But if we go back, as you said, to the original intention of what Jesus called the disciples to, to do it was to go cast out demons heal the sick preach the gospel raise the dead cleanse the lepers this was biblical Christianity in fact in Mark 16 this is what's amazing the first sign that you're a believer is that you will cast out demons I mean imagine this we walk around in church and said hey oh you're a believer you cast out demons and now we've we've dumbed down and I'm going to go ahead and use the language because it's our live stream we can say what we want we've dumbed down the gospel into come to the altar repeat a prayer after me show up for an hour and a half on Sunday, give your 5% and live the rest of the week like the devil. And you're fine as long as you go to a church, but we don't see that active, that soldier, that militant, that attitude Christian that says, no, we're going to be a church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. And so I'm telling you, listen, I have a six-year-old Dr. Bob, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn. I was talking on the phone the other day. All girls. My daughter that's six, I don't care. Listen, when she's 10, 11, if she wants to start getting involved, I would love to have her help me do deliverance. I don't know where we have this idea that we have a junior Holy Ghost or the young people, you know, they have to wait till they're 16. Or I have pastors tell me this, Dr. Bob. You know, they have to finish cemetery. I mean, seminary. And they have to finish Bible college. And you can't do anything unless you have a special calling or anointing. This is not for an average believer. It's only for a special priest or a special pastor minister I know in your school you guys are training average everyday normal believers to violently drive out demons and this is one thing that we're really working on striving to do is man how could we equip believers this is not just for Isaiah Saldivar and this is why we started our deliverance Network is we want to equip the average believer and I'll say this if we're waiting just for a pastor to do it, we're removing people's opportunity to grow their faith in deliverance ministry. We're robbing them. I told I told the pastor in North Carolina this this week and I said, "If we're the ones always doing the deliverance and we don't equip anybody, we're robbing them of an opportunity to actually do deliverance." So I guess I could ask you, you know, what is your take even on young people doing deliverance in your experience? You know, what do you think about young adults, teenagers listening to the preaching? Cuz I know a lot of people right now say, "I let my kids listen to this." Dr. Bob, you know, should I be letting them listen to Deliverance? Should I be letting them on your YouTube channel watching this? I'm like, go for it. But what, what would your take be on that? Well,
1: obviously, a word of caution is in order. But on the other hand, we don't caution them about sharing the gospel. And this is part of the gospel. Why cannot they share this too? We tell the children in Sunday school, go tell your friends about Jesus. Why not go tell your friends about demons? Because they're caught up in things that are very, very demonic. They're watching all the Marvel movies, and they're seeing Loki and Thor, real demons I Go deal ahead. with every day, being made into cultural heroes. Wow. Well, if the devil has got the right to get them there, we need to get them. People don't understand the pagan mindset that people have in our culture. I, I just got handed a couple of chats that came in over our situation. Let me just mention three things people have asked me about. A guy named Colton says, can you explain to me who Ishtar is? This is... Name has been coming to my mind lately. Uh, Stacy says, How do I know if I have a Jezebel spirit? And Michelle says, Is remote viewing the same as astral projection? I just think about before that's windows, think about the nature of those questions. Those are the questions this generation is asking. You know, an older generation asks different questions. Those questions are gone, they don't matter anymore. We are in the throes of a violent spiritual warfare. So to answer that question, Ishtar is an ancient Assyrian Babylonian spirit that is a type of Jezebel, and if that thing's coming to your mind, you got Jezebel. The other question, how do you know if you have a Jezebel spirit? You read my book on Jezebel, and you will know if you have a Jezebel spirit. People think Jezebel is all about sex. In fact, there is, I read the other day, now somebody's brought up the racism issue. Oh, this is a racist trope of, of black women in, in, in the age of discrimination being called Jezebel. This has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with anything but something very simple. Control, manipulation, murder, sexual seduction, and religious perversion. That's who Jezebel is. The other question, is remote viewing the same as astral projection? No, they're very new, they're very different. But think about the fact that that question is even being asked, all right? So remote viewing is the tele. United- teleportation. Picking up through some energy source information at another location and seeing what goes on there. Astral projection is leaving your body and going into another spirit realm so that when you leave, demons can come to take you. These are the questions this generation is asking, and the church is not giving answers. That's the problem. They don't even know what the question is, let alone being able to answer. So you and I and others like us have got a very big job ahead of us, and that is to get these answers out to people so they don't get involved in this stuff. If it's supernatural, divinatory, if it's preternatural, if it's paranormal, just don't mess with it. Get out of it as quickly as you possibly can.
0: And this is why you know I've been telling everyone they need to get on your stuff because you do a lot of teachings on specific demons specific backgrounds of the demons and you said something on the phone with me the other day I want you to touch on is that you've done now you know between 40 and 50,000 I mean just an incredible amount of deliverance I think you've been 40 years of doing deliverance ministry and you told me every day you do deliverance and you've you meet new demons and I want everyone in the chat there's 3600 of you listening okay I want everyone to listen closely here over 40,000 deliverances okay just think 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 about this. Wrap your head around this. And Dr. Bob says every single day... He's encountering new demons. And so, this is not just, you know, five demons or 10 demons you read about in the Bible. This is an entire ecosystem. Satan has an entire kingdom and a structure, a global structure that he's using against the body of Christ, against the church. And one thing I always think, Dr. Bob, is when these witches and warlocks that we always preach, you know, and we're, they're going to get saved, they're going to get saved. Okay, where are they going to go when they start getting saved if we're not willing to confront these things? And I know you and your wife were saying how dynamic. Deliverance ministry is, and it's this ever expanding. So, maybe just touch on some of these different spirits you're always dealing with, or the fact that deliverance is a dynamic ministry. And just because I know some pastors are watching, like, I don't really know about this. Listen, just because you don't know doesn't mean it's not real. And we as pastors and leaders have to humble ourselves and come under some of this teaching and say, Listen, Lord, I don't know about this stuff, but I'm willing to come under somebody that does know about this. So, maybe even just touch on some of the dynamics of deliverance ministry. Well, I
1: want to say, first of all, I've commented that I have the privilege, the spiritual honor of seeing more miracles in one day than the average pastor sees in a lifetime, a lifetime. I see more of the power of Christ at work in the supernatural, setting God's people free than they will ever see in their entire ministry. My heart bleeds for them. I feel so sorry for them. What else is going to energize you to stay on the front lines of spiritual battle that's any greater than deliverance? I mean, look at me. Here I am as excited. I'm not playing golf. I'm casting out demons because it's it's giving me the fountain of youth, if you will. It's allowed me to be stronger physically, mentally, and emotionally than I could ever been. You know, you know people have this, this idea, they say, well, stay away from deliverance, you know. That's dangerous stuff. Well, I knew this pastor. Oh, man, he got in deliverance. Life got messed up. I want to tell you something, sister. That guy was messed up before he ever got into deliverance. And <laughs> deliverance just exposed the fact he was already messed up. Deliverance is the pathway to success in every single area of life. When you walk the walk that Jesus walked, when you are touched in your heart the way Jesus was touched, you will be blessed. Who is the first person that saw Jesus rise again from the dead? Somebody out of whom he had cast demons. So, deliverance is the pathway to spiritual success. And reference what you said a moment ago. I, 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 all I have to do is think back a day or two. Just a couple of days ago, I'm casting out these demons and I meet the demon of cadaver. What? The demon of cadaver. And the demon says, Yeah, this guy had an operation in which there was a bone transplant, and the bone transplant came from a cadaver. The man and the demons told us the the bone came from a murderer on death row who was murdered before his execution. And that cadaver bone made it all the way to this man, implanted him with the bloodline of that evil. And now a spirit of murder is manifested in this man. I say to folks, hey, if you're going to get a tooth transplant, and I've had one, pray over it. Don't expect you can just waltz through life without any problems. Tomorrow night on my show, I'm going to have a woman. I was just working with her yesterday. I get this. Marine spirit, a spirit comes up and he said, we're going to be dealing with this tomorrow night because we haven't gotten rid of on live on my show. He said, I'm a whale spirit. I said, what? He said, yeah, I'm the purple whale. I said, what is the purple whale? I said, you are Leviathan. You're right. A marine spirit masquerading as a whale. I asked this woman, I said, where is this coming? For she's my whole life, I've had dreams at night of having my house filled with fish aquariums. Now, how many people have a crazy dream like that? But then I said, purple, come on, what's with purple? And you know what he said? Royalty. I'm a royal spirit. Well, we know pride is the symbol of Leviathan. That's just a couple of examples. Look, I could go on and on and on. Here's the thing. You can't even take the old template of deliverance, which is, I call it the the, the shout it out, spit it out variety. You know, you think you make enough noise and you're bombastic enough, the devil's going to go away. We have to be strategic about deliverance. And that's what we teach in our school of exorcism. Strategy understanding what the devil can do. You know those two demons I just mentioned to you? I've added them to my I have a demon list of hundreds and hundreds of spirits I have run into that I never met before. If I, after all my experience of building my demon list to be prepared to take on the forces of darkness to see God's people liberated and experience abundant life in Jesus Christ, when are the rest of these pastors going to start their demon list of what's destroying
0: the people in their pews? wow that is so good you know i have some questions that have come in from different viewers i would love to go through some of these if you don't mind i know i know we have a limited amount of time and i'm like i'm just like so giddy having you on the show i know everyone's wanting to ask something there's 3,700 people in the chat right now so i know it's hard to get through some of the live chat but i just have some of these written down and you kind of alluded to it a second ago but basically why in deliverance do we speak to demons i know there's a lot of people watching they I, i love what you just said because there's that old strategy of let's just yell until we get them out now the problem with that is if you've done deliverance you know that usually doesn't work you know i was just the other night at the altar and people are screaming over people for uh, two three hours and the person's still vomiting up no demons are coming out and so you are very (laughs) surgical in deliverance and you're sitting there and people ask well why should we talk to them or what's the point so i guess that would be the question is why do we speak to demons in deliverance
1: well the first the first reason is because jesus did Mm. okay when he said to legion what is your name it was the stupidest question in the world for the Son of God to be asking. He is God, and He knows the name. So it's not a the name; is it's not a stupid thing for Jesus to do. It just looks silly because He already knows the name. He's demonstrating to us when when the the Father had the Son who was throwing Himself the water and the fire. And Jesus said, "How long has He been like this?" What was He asking? He, he was trying to find show us that you find out the generational path of curses. Then when he said he's been like this since he was a child, Jesus was, in effect, demonstrating to us that you can be born with demons through a generational curse. you got to read behind the lines here and see what is going on. We speak to demons because very often the reason for the possession is known only to the demon hidden in the generational history of the past. Somebody raped or murdered somebody 67 generations ago, and until you break that curse, you can yell and spit and scream all you want. That demon isn't leaving and if he does he'll pop out for a moment and be right back by the time they get out in the car and turn on the ignition. you have to interrogate demons to find out what you don't know that needs to be broken needs to be put out of the blood of Jesus Christ so the people don't only feel good after the prayer they stay good they live a holy life they go on to do things for the Lord
0: that's so good I have someone wrote in they said how when we're talking to demons how do you know whether they're lying or telling the Mm -hmm. truth I had someone recently tell me you know it's impossible for demons to tell the truth I said no that's not true even the devil himself used the Bible so demons have the capacity to actually tell the truth but I guess for you when you're doing deliverance how are you discerning whether a demon's trying to lie to you get you off path mess with your strategy or it's actually telling you the, the true information
1: well, part of that spiritual discernment, and part of it's being very much aware and watching the reactions of the. Demon. Plus, when I get an answer from a demon, I never accept it at face value. I, I, I'm very strategic, very forensic in what I do. I, I'll ask three, four, or five other questions to see if the answers all line up. Mm. So, demons can lie, but let's put it this way if 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 somebody puts you in the ring with a WDF, WWF fighter, and and you've never done any training, and you go in there, and, and, and he beats you up, he's got the upper hand. But if you're bigger and stronger than him, and you beat him up, then you've got the upper hand. We need to beat the demons up, get the upper hand, put them on the ropes, and then ask the questions. And then even then, sometimes I will say... I demand that answer be held up to the holy spirit to be judged for truth and you will be struck by the angels of god if you lie so I'm going to ask you the question again if I think there's any question about the veracity
0: That's so good so good I'm I'm over here I'm going to be taking notes here guys just so you know um here's what somebody asked is it dangerous to talk about the devil or talk about demons and casting out demons is it could that be an open door to getting a demon
1: No, 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 no. That's an old trope. That's an old lie. That's what people were afraid of deliverance, wanted to put down deliverance. Oh, don't talk about the devil. It's like, if I don't bother him, he won't bother me. If I don't talk about him, he'll leave me alone. That's simply not true. We've got to talk more about demons. People say, well, you know, Bob, you talk about demons all the time. I've got to make up for the rest of the preachers in America who never talk about the demons. Isaiah's got to do what he, of them aren't doing what they should be doing. So you and I, yeah, we have to have a little bit of an overemphasis. It is not dangerous as long as it's done in a godly fashion from a position of authority where you're using it as a means to not just be trite about the enemy, but to be specific about winning the battle against the forces of darkness. Now, we got to get away from this idea, leave the demons alone and the alone.
0: That's so good. And I was talking to a pastor recently and I was telling him, you know, there's so many people not doing it that we have to carry extra weight And his. He was telling me how overwhelmed he was on the amount of people that need deliverance and the amount of people in his church that need deliverance and how, why is nobody talking about it? Why could you only find like really two to three people, even on like YouTube that are actually right now, not like 10 years ago, but right now actively doing it, teaching it, preaching it, demonstrating it. And he's like, I'm overwhelmed. And I said, yeah, that's exactly why we have to continue to preach this message. We have to continue to get this out. We have to get to a place where we're raising up such an unstoppable army that it doesn't matter what American culture says. It doesn't matter what Western Christianity says. It doesn't matter what a religious leader or pastor or spokesperson says. We have to know that and be convicted that this is the ministry of Jesus. This is what Jesus is doing right now on the earth. And as darkness increases, I'm thinking like the devil has taken the gloves off for our generation and specifically for the younger generation. And the church is continuing to do, as you said earlier, what they did 20 years ago and I want to tell some leaders and pastors listening what we did 20 years ago is not going to be enough to overthrow the demons that we're dealing with today the Bible makes it clear that people have invented new ways to sin and if you start getting into and looking at what young people are involved in there is levels of the demonic that we've the world has sure. never seen that the Roman Empire didn't deal with that the Jewish people didn't right. deal with that the Gentiles didn't deal with the sexual perversion that is literally assaulted and I hate using this verbiage but the devil has has literally vomited on our generation and I'm going Lord where are the watchmen where are the spokespeople where are the pastors and leaders who are supposed to be watching the flock not letting the wolf come in not letting the tiger or the roaring lion that Peter says the devil's prowling right now as we speak and really setting up guard and setting up a standard and so all you pastors listening I see you in the chat this is your mandate you're calling the anointing that God has for your church and I'll tell you one thing and I've had pastors uh, Dr Bob that are on our network tell me this my church has double and tripled I've had several pastors in the last week tell me this since we started doing deliverance and you got to realize Jesus became famous when he started doing deliverance and this is why when people start actually getting changed in your church when you stop medicating demons when you stop counseling demons when you stop beating around the bush and you stop you know being afraid to confront them people are going to tell their friends You won't believe this. I was at the church down the road. I got demons cast out of me. I no longer have this. I no longer want to do this. I no longer have overwhelming desires or dominating thoughts. And now they tell their friend, then their friend comes, gets delivered. Then their friend comes, gets delivered. Now you have a church of on fire, radical people, because your Bible says in Luke that those that have been forgiven of much, Love much. So the more we've been delivered from, forgiven of, the more breakthrough, the more we love God and want to serve God. And I've come to find this, Doctor Bob. When people get delivered, they automatically want to know how can I start setting other people free because the delivering power of God is so powerful in my life. And so I would just challenge. I know, and I want to capitalize on. There's hundreds of pastors watching. I want to make it clear this is for you. And I see you, Alexander Pagani, in the chat, and he's one of those also voices for deliverance in our nation. But pastor, this is for you. I've seen pastors after pastor open up their doors to deliverance open up to the teaching and not of our teaching of the teaching of Jesus when it comes to deliverance and I'll tell you they are seeing explosive growth in their church the church I was at this last week in very large church they're seeing explosive growth in their ministry explosive growth on their staff people are excited about God you know Dr Bob one thing I'll tell you and we could both say this about deliverance is it makes people excited about God it makes people excited about the kingdom it's the kingdom of God in action and so don't shy away if you're a pastor leader or believer and you're Hearing us talk tonight, do not shy away from deliverance ministry, but really open up your doors, open up your church and let the Holy Spirit know. Holy Spirit, Jesus, if you want to move in this church in deliverance, I'm open to it. You got to let God know you're open to this ministry because really this is Jesus' ministry, and there's no greater way to quench the Holy Spirit than to not let him move in our churches.
1: Well, I I also want to add though, a sense of caution here. We 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 do need to educate ourselves, we do need to be aware. That's why we have our International School of Exorcism, which is an online training school. People go to my website, BobLarson.org, and find all about it. And thank you for mentioning a moment ago all the books that we've written. So material is available. And let me mention, this is my book of spiritual warfare, 500 pages. Read it. This is my book of world religions, spirituality, in the New Age, 575 pages. Read it. Uh, This is our book on Jezebel. You want to know about the Jezebel spirit? We've got the book. You want to know about breaking curses? 250 pages about how to break curses. You want to know how to deal with demons? This is my definitive work on specifically forensically dealing with demons. Want to know how to set your family free from demons? My wife and I have written this book. We want to know prayers to pray to defeat demons, demon-proofing prayers. My point is this. Look at this. I mean, this is available. You you can't say, well, I don't know what to do, or I'm afraid I'm going to do the wrong thing. Well, you know what? We have the resources. We have the largest available supply of materials on the subject of deliverance, exorcism, and inner healing. Anywhere on the planet, contact us. We're here. We're here to help you. We're here to teach you. We're here to train you. And yes, you do need knowledge. But if you have knowledge without enthusiasm, you're not going to accomplish much. You need both. But we do need training. We do need to understand because the devil has had. Listen, I I say to people, you know, the disciples in the apostolic age really had it easy because there were not the problems we have today. Yes. The devil has had 2,000 more years of generational entropy, of destructing, uh, of destroying the bloodline, plus 2,000 more years to get his game up. So he's been working 24-7. We can't just do what the disciples did. We can't just do what they did in the early church. This is the time when we have to speak with greater power. This is the time of Promise of John 14:12 that we're going to do greater things, but we're going to need greater knowledge, more information, and more sustainable ability to fight these things and keep the fight going. So I encourage people, grow in our school, get our books, get yourself educated, find out what's going on. There are many wonderful ministries, a lot of good teaching out there. Not all of it's great, but some of it is. Thank you for being such a human dynamo. I'm thrilled. I'm inspired what you're doing, Isaiah. But can I say, what would happen if we had another thousand Isaiah?
0: Come on. thousand
1: Bob Larson's out there doing the same thing. That's, I know your heart, my heart. Let's raise up a whole generation of warriors that goes out and scares the devil back to hell in the name of Jesus
0: so good I have a couple here that I want to give you someone wrote in what are the some of them some of the more I know there's we could go on a thousand but what are some of the most common that you deal with dr Bob open doors that demons get through in the life of people like what are some of the most you just deal with us all the time of how demons are getting into just average people
1: demons get in through obviously generational curses over one person has no control but behaviorally they will suffer in this life because of issues in in the past, and they need to identify what they are, and start asking the family, what about grandpa? What about grandma? What what kind of skeletons are there in the closet? What was swept under the carpet? I want to know everything about my ancestors, at least what I can know, and, and, and take one of these ancestry tests and find out where ancestry goes back. In one of our training schools, which is called the Advanced Academy of Deliverance, I have a a whole multi-hour teaching on the ethnocentric identity of demons according to 17 geographical regions in the world, the kinds of demons that are there in every specific culture. We have done the homework. That's part of what you need to know. So get yourself educated. Get yourself spiritually prepared. And then go out and make mistakes. I made mistakes. You'll make mistakes. But you got to get out there and start to perfect your game. You got to throw the first ball. You got to shoot the first basket before you learn how to do it right. So I encourage people out there to rise up, to follow your teachings, follow me, follow others who are biblically sound and hear what we have to say about fighting this fight. And I want to say one other thing. Here is here's another problem that we're facing today. And that is the church that denies the reality of deliverance and doesn't fight the demons. Do you know where they end up? They end up with yoga classes in their church. They end up with Enneagram groups looking at this nine character uh, sort of substitute astrological view of human development and human nature rather than looking for the fruit of the spirit and the demons that are guiding them and that sort of thing. So whether it's enneagrams or whether it's yoga or something else that they're bringing into the church, they bring demons into the church, bring the world into the church, and then they're trying to solve their problems this way, rather than looking at the spiritual bondage that is in their life because of the evil of their family, which was dysfunctional. So to ask your question, dysfunctional families, dysfunctional ancestors, and the occult. We've already talked about that. That'll open you up. But let me tell you what the biggest door open in our age is. Two doors, really. Drug abuse and weed. Deadly. The second door is sexual abuse. More than 50% of the people out of whom I cast demons were sexually abused. We're all hearing today about Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson got to be Marilyn Manson and joined the Church of Satan, not because he was an evil man. He went to a Christian school. He was exposed to my teachings in his school. I know that for a fact. He was sexually molested as a child. The hate, the bitterness, the demons that got in there because of that turned him into the monster that he became. So, if anybody is watching us right now, and you've been incested, you've been molested, you've been violated in some kind of way, let me tell you. Now listen to me, because I've done this more than anybody, as he said. I'm not putting a trip on you, I'm just telling you. There's a 90% plus chance you are demonized, particularly with the spirit of Jezebel, and you need to reach out and get help. It's why your life is on a downward trajectory to destruction, and it's not your fault. That is the biggest open door in our society.
0: Wow, that's so, so good. Um, here's another one someone asked in, can demons dwell in houses or different areas or different cities, or can they only <clears throat> dwell inside of people?
1: Demons are territorial. They have a spatial reality that they're confined to when they enter into our pictures. But when they come into our world, they are spatially confined. That spatial confinement can be the human body. That spatial confinement can be a territory, a state, a country, but it also can be a dwelling. And they may have the right to be in that dwelling He's practiced the occult there. Somebody practiced sexual perversion there. Somebody practiced the occult there. Somebody played with a Ouija board in that house. Uh, I dealt with a woman just a couple of days ago, and her house was haunted. They bought this house. It was haunted because the previous residents, the father and two of the children, committed suicide and left a suicide note written on the wall in one of the closets, and that gave the demons the right to enter.
0: Wow, wow, wow. That's so good. Um, how about this one? The church I'm attending does not believe in casting out demons. Is this a deal breaker for you if you are going to a church that doesn't believe in the ministry of casting out demons?
1: Okay, so I look at that two ways. First of all, it's really hard to find a church that believes yeah. what you and I believe. And, <laughs> yes. it, and it's it's almost impossible. Not completely, because God is raising up wonderful pastors, great churches who do believe in this and will embrace it but they're few and far between. So if you're looking for a good deliverance church, we can direct you to some, but you may have to fly a long ways and weekends to get there. Your best bet is, look, and, and this is what's great about the internet, what's great about what you're doing, is that you can go to just a good, solid Bible-preaching church, be under pastoral authority, be in accountability, have fellowship, enjoy worship, and then walk away from that, and you, you put on your cape and fly away into another world. In that other world, is the real deliverance that you get from watching Bob Larson and Isaiah.
0: <laughs> That's so good. I like that. I like that. Here's another good one. When casting out a demon, how do you get them to start manifesting, or how do you find, or I guess expose the strongman when you're doing deliverance?
1: You know, that's one of the biggest challenges that we teach in our school of exorcism. So you've got to be really strategic about that. You've got to be coy about that. You've got to draw those. And I tell people, keep looking at the individual's eyes. Watch the least little inflection of the face for the presence of a demon and just keep hammering with the word of God and hammering. Thing. And if it's God's will, it'll crack open eventually You've got to be persistent Demons today are stronger than they ever been The devil has come down with a great fury He knows his time is short He's not holding back anything You know, the devil has had to conserve his power He's not omnipotent like God He's not all powerful all the time, everywhere And so it is that he's held back Now he's turned everything loose So you've really got to be on your game When you face the devil But don't be afraid. Start doing it. Start staring the devil down. If a friend walks up to you and says, hey, I've been playing with Ouija board. Uh, hey, I, I had this thing where I floated out of my body last night. Or uh, I've been reading these books, watching these shows on witchcraft. Nail them right on the spot. And don't be afraid to say, hey, can I pray for you and see if you've got a demon? Sure. All right. And then just start to pray for them. Who knows what anointing might come on you and that demon might just come flying out into your face, and there you are on your way to your first exorcism
0: that's so good I love it how about this one can a demon enter me if I'm seeing somebody get delivered or I'm doing deliverance on someone else and I know this is when we get all every time we do Q and A's oh, we get this a hundred oh. times you know my pastor told me or so and so told me or some teacher told me if I do deliverance the demons gonna jump out of them and jump onto me so we got to make sure I'm, I'm <laughs> I want to hear your take I've, an, I've answered a lot of these on our show but I want to hear I'm asking some of these too from even just your own take you know obviously the experience that you have you have the validity and the authority to speak on these things but I. I hear this one all the time and it's so it stops people from doing deliverance of
1: course it does and it's ridiculous and this is the thing that's used to keep people from deliverance oh i don't want to go to bob larson seminar i don't want bob larson i don't want to watch isaiah they talk about these jump on me number one a demon isn't jumping on anybody where he isn't welcome
0: that's okay
1: if you got the wrong attitude and you're not living a clean life, don't hang around deliverance. Okay, you're smoking weed. You don't go to an Isaiah <laughs> altar call and pray for people because you're likely to get one of these things. Come on, live the right kind of life. Walk before the Lord as you ought to. Study to show yourself approved unto God, and then get involved in deliverance ministry. But don't be afraid. They're gonna j- listen. You said it. I've done almost 50,000 documented exorcisms. Ain't had a demon jump on me yet. I've not become possessed from a single one of those exorcisms. And may I add to that, nobody's died. That's the other one. Oh my goodness, something terrible might happen. What if the devil kills somebody while you're in the middle of ministering to them? Listen, I've had 50,000 times for the devil to kill somebody. It ain't happened yet.
0: Wow. So good, man. I'm, I'm fired up over here. here. Here's a good one. Somebody asked, what is your thoughts on self deliverance or just, you know, doing deliverance, trying to do deliverance on myself?
1: Well, you know, I have a seven hour teaching series of self deliverance because I think there's some validity para person for the real deal, but the big ones, the deep ones, the powerful, ones, the ones, ones that are embedded in long-term generational curses. You're not going to get rid of those by yourself. And here's the problem. If you've got a really strong demon in you and that demon manifests, what are you going to do? You're going to say, out in the name of Jesus. Ah, I command you in the name of Jesus. I'm ah. going to go back and forth between states of consciousness to cast out that demon. And furthermore, the pattern of Christ in his teaching was what? The two, the 12, the 70, I send you to cast out demons. We do know people sometimes get saved on their own with a divine revelation, but it's rare. Most people are led to Christ by somebody. A preacher preaches to them. It's the same way with deliverance. A few people get some serious deliverance on their own, but 99.9% need somebody to minister to them. It's God's plan.
0: That's so good. And I always tell people self-deliverance is could be good as getting giving yourself a tune-up or to try to maintain your deliverance after receiving an initial deliverance but for that initial deliverance i know me i got saved full of the holy ghost on fire i went from being an atheist to just lit on fire and two or two to three days after getting saved i was manifesting i couldn't even talk about god without growling i was trying to do self-deliverance i was in my college parking lot you know commanding the demons to leave and then i would say come out in jesus name and they would be like Rah! and they would growl back at me and i couldn't get i couldn't get the words out and i got to work and i I was in my work parking lot, I was in my job, I was making coffee, I was a barista at Starbucks, and I was trying to talk to people about God, but these demons were literally manifesting as I was trying to share my faith. And so I got home and told my little sister, I said, look, these demons are ready to go, they're up in my throat, they don't wanna be here, I don't want them here, I've renounced, I've repented. I told my little sister, I said, so whenever you're ready, just command all the demons to leave. And sure enough, within five minutes, she commanded them to leave, and all these demons started screeching out of me, coming out of me, and so I know, I think that initial deliverance, Also, we know depending every deliverance is different. Not all deliverances are the same, but I think for the initial deliverance, the biblical model of scripture is to get delivered from somebody, somebody doing deliverance on you. And so I think for that initial one, and this is gonna lead me even into my second question. I know a lot of people ask this. I wanna also hear your take on it. Someone said, after I got delivered, I'm still manifesting, even though I've already been delivered. Um, Why would it be that I'm still manifesting after deliverance?
1: Uh, There's a number of reasons. One reason. Sometimes for a long time, they know the psychoneurological pathways, brain, the body, and everything about you. So when they're out, they know how to push buttons on the inside from the outside mm-hmm. and make you think you never really got delivered. And that's where you need to stand in faith for your deliverance. Say, no, you were told to leave, you left. Now, the other thing is, however, sometimes there's more than one same kind. You can have more than one Jezebel. So you cast out one Jezebel, but there's another area where Jezebel is operating. So you got to go back in, get the same ca- the, the, the same uh, caliber of demons, so to speak, in a different area of your life. And listen, you and I both know we've got to get away from this idea that deliverance is a one-shot vaccination in the exactly. arm. You're good to go. The COVID demon is gone. No. Deliverance is a process. Healing is a process. If you have messed up your life for decades, smoking dope, doing crack, having sex, and you think you're just going to get zapped and suddenly everything's going to be okay, there are levels of devil you may be good for a while and somebody's got to go back in and cast out more demons and minister more healing to you. It's a journey. Stay on the journey. Now some people have a relatively mild possession and they get delivered and and they're good to go and that's wonderful. But in our world today, you know Isaiah, people get involved in a bunch of stuff. They're sleeping around. They're they're smoking dope. They're 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 playing with the occult. So you got all types of demons operating in different parts of the brain and it takes a while to get that all cleaned out
0: yeah i I think that's so good and one thing i learned from you that i've done in our ministry is when we're at the altar for you when you're doing your services and you're doing deliverance you even tell people after even some of your radical deliverances i've seen you do in in live like at your services you tell them hey I'm not guaranteeing you got fully delivered you're probably going to need to come for another deliverance or a one-on-one session this was just starting your deliverance process so for me one thing i've been very careful with is i never want to tell somebody that's not fully delivered they are fully delivered so i even tell people at the altar like the service we did this weekend you know there's hundreds of people getting delivered and manifesting i'll often tell them this is just the start tonight you got some deliverance at the altar but this is just the start to your process let's get you a one-on-one deliverance let's get you in a session with somebody so that we can make sure everything's gone Gone. and even for me and I'll ask you this because some of these questions I'm legitimately want to know for my own ministry just asking you even in the end of deliverance what I do is I try to go back through to make sure those demons aren't there but what is I guess the way that you and someone asked this how do I know the demons are gone mm-hmm. like at the end of the deliverance once you're done how do you can conclude the deliverance or I guess guarantee like all those demons are gone I know there's really no actual way to hundred 150 but for you what is your strategy in making sure the demons are gone at the end of the deliverance. People who have watched
1: me on my Wednesday night Bob Larson Live live stream, or those who have gone to our exorcism channel, and they've seen me cast out demons, know there's a protocol, there's a process. And this is what we teach people in our school of exorcism. There's a right and a wrong way to do this. And just like Bill Bright, Campus Crusade, and others did a phenomenal job with the four spiritual laws, they figured out a simple way to to ensure that when you confessionally believe in Christ, it's a done deal because you know the facts that lead up to it. Same thing with deliverance. When when people watch me, for example, on YouTube, and they're maybe seeing a seven or eight minute segment of something that took me an hour. During that hour, I'm walking them through a process of confidence that when I tell the demon to go, it's going to go. So I'm dealing with Every area of their life. And then I get down to the end and I'm asking those demons, is there any other demon there? Anybody else who's part of your kingdom? Anything that's left. And then I make, this is really crucial. We teach a whole protocol about how to make the demons pronounce their own doom. I make the demons Talk to me about that. I make the demons say... I lift every curse. I'm very specific about the curses. What is the curse? Well, we've already found that out in the deliverance process. I lift the curse of 17 generations of blood sacrifice of this person and future generations. I recognize that I have no more legal right to this individual. I surrender every right that I've had. I receive the judgment of God. And as people who have watched me on Bob Larson Live know, I go now to the Pit. It's a contractual agreement. We make the demon say, I'm done. I'm leaving. I give up every right. We seal the deal. We sign it. It's done. Now, once in a while, they wiggle around technicality and you might have to come back. But in the majority of the cases, if you do it right, they're gone and they stay gone. But again, the old style of deliverance was a lot of bluster, a lot of noise, a lot of energy not the specifics of nailing what is the demon, what is the curse, how did it get there, remove its right, make it say it's
0: going so good i was doing a deliverance um, not long ago it was actually probably in my opinion the hardest deliverance i've ever done i mean this this was just it was a hard deliverance and i got to a point where this demon would just not leave it was like telling you know i'm from puerto rico naming all the stuff that was naming and it was a very just strong high level demon we had already gotten probably 30 plus demons out of this lady and i i thought about your strategy of making the demon repeat after me and making it confess it's going to leave and making it tell itself and i did that strategy and immediately now this demon i had been working on for over 30 minutes i was. I was tired. I was like, I I don't even know what to do with this demon. I've done everything I've tried. And I use that strategy, which you use all the time and the demon finally left and I was like wow it really is so effective when it comes to deliverance because this was a very very you know obviously some of the people in the chat might not know but every demon has a different strength different rank some are more stubborn than others Jesus said some are more wicked than others so not every demon I I should say not every no demon is created equal no demon is the same strength they all have varying ranks but I saw that that strategy really really helped me and so for me I always try to think of different strategies different ways and I'm always open to you know what what is the strategy the Holy Spirit wants me to use because sometimes this might torment them and this doesn't torment them or this might torment them this doesn't torment them or some demons hate this other demons hate this and so I'm always go. trying to work go. on different strategies and use different things but I just want to tell you my hardest deliverance ever I overcame by that strategy of actually making this demon I want you to repeat after me you're gonna go and then I know you command them to go to the pit that's something that I teach as well the pit the abyss which is obviously the same thing but commanding them to go there never returning not passing on assignments and so let me just ask you here and I know we're over an hour I'm gonna let you go off here in a couple minutes But let me just ask you just maybe two or more personal questions from me. One of them was who and I know everyone wants to ask this in the chat who does dr Bob Larson look up to when it comes to your ministry and deliverance now I know for you you probably can't find anybody that's teaching it on a higher level than you I mean I I know you're really teaching at that highest level you have almost 40 books but I guess in your early days might be more relevant or just kind of coming up in the deliverance ministry who are people that you've kind of looked to or even looked up to in the faith
1: you know honestly uh I look up to people in the faith but not a lot of people in deliverance ministry. Mm. Certainly, some of the giants, as you mentioned, people like Prince and others who have gone before and helped to pave the way for this. Uh, there are, however, some excellent people who have written some uh, uh, great books, like Graham Paltry, about the exorcism. They need to go a lot online and see what's really available out there. And, uh, you know, I look up to people like C.S. Lewis, Mere mm-hmm. Christianity, Screwtape Letters. He, he wasn't a deliverance preacher. He was an Oxford Don who was a teacher. But at the same time, he understood spiritual strategy. So I look up to people who understand spiritual strategy and how the devil operates. And those are the people whose works I read. I read the works of Augustine. I read the works of Aquinas, I read the works. If you read the works of Augustine, you are slammed in the face. If you read the city of God, it's an apologetic, so to speak, for spiritual warfare. Because he's talking about confronting these Greco-Roman gods and how you demonstrate the power of God and demon speaking. So those are the people that I like to look to. Not that there aren't other people that I I admire greatly. I admire many theologians. But... I really try to sink my teeth into the classic works, even Martin Luther's writings, some great things in there about spiritual warfare, if you read between the lines. So we need to root ourselves, I think, in classic theology and understanding. And I know that for for a young audience, that's like, oh, no, don't give me that burden. The the city of God's 1,500 pages long. I can't do that. How serious are you? about Come fighting on. the
0: devil. Come on. You
1: think you think the devil isn't willing to put up the time, the effort, the energy to study himself, the strategy of the human condition to destroy our lives? Just put out a little bit of effort. Come on. Go back and look at all the Isaiah uh, shows that are there on YouTube. Go back into the archives. Just start looking after show after show after show and see what he's been teaching all along. You may be new. You may be watching him for the first time tonight. The guy's got this stuff archived for a year. Go to archives. We've got like 600 exorcisms you can watch me perform. So you can see how it's done. There is no excuse for any preacher, pastor, or person in the pew not to go out and do this work because information is available.
0: So good. Let me give you just one or two more here before we end. Has any of your views, or should I say, which of your views do you feel have changed over the years while doing deliverance? Now, just an example, like I've had stuff where I thought one way, and then in deliverance, my thinking didn't match my experience and i'm like oh i was actually wrong about that because i obviously i learned and progressed in deliverance is there anything you can think of where it's like you used to teach one thing or believe one thing or even about deliverance and then in deliverance you realize like wow i might have been wrong or there may be some changes i made or are you always i mean are you always evolving as you do deliverance and kind of changing strategies well
1: the first thing i will say to you and, and this might surprise some people even after all this stuff that i saw of demons overseas and so on back to america to cast out, demons. I was caught up in the pure approval of a party line that a Christian can't have a demon. And, wow. and I actually said, Christians can't have demons. And then God's got a sense of humor. He starts sending me all these people who have demons and they're deacons and they're uh, pastor's kids or PKs and, and they're worship leaders. And I'm like, Okay, I think I've got this wrong. I better relook at my theology. So that's an area in which I've changed, and I think the other area in which I've I've looked at that is to understand now it's a far more complex phenomenon than I realized, and the power and intricacy of interwoven generational curses is much more expansive than I ever thought it was, and the Lord's been quickening my mind to understand all those different things, all those tributaries flowing back into the past, containing all that evil. We've got to systematically deal with them. You know what I tell people many times I do a session with them? I say, okay, I want you to go fast and pray, and then come back to see me again in a week or two and bring me a list of everything the Lord shows you. And they'll come back and they'll say, you know, I have this, this weird feeling. I have somebody who somewhere raped somebody. Yeah, I just feel like the Lord's showing that to me. And the demon pops up and he says, yeah, it, it was your great-great-great-great-grandpa who did whatever. So I, I'm constantly on a learning curve. I've had to change some of my thinking about the complexity of generational curses. And the biggest thing I've learned is that it ain't as easy as most people would like to think it is. But in the end, lives are changed, even if it's little by little, and the body of Christ has the opportunity to be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and get ready for the coming of Jesus.
0: So good. I love it, Dr. Bob. I want to say I'm so honored to have you on. I so appreciate you taking. Your time is extremely valuable. You know, you're, you're a hero of mine. Again, I've been watching you for the last 10 years since I started. I know for a lot of people, there's 3,700 people watching right now. I know a lot of them have followed your Deliverance Ministry. I see you, Alexander Pagani, in the chat as well. A lot of Deliverance Ministers are in the chat here that have learned from you and that so appreciate you. And so from the younger generation, you know, I'm 29. I'm about to be 30. So I, I feel like I'm getting older quick. But I just want to say, you know, we are taking your teaching serious we are going to carry on and continue to even far after you leave the earth we're going to carry on your teachings and carry on deliverance and I know you know the good thing about what we're doing even tonight a hundred years from now people are still going to watch this broadcast tonight 150 years from now these broadcasts are still going to be relevant and we're going to keep speaking into the next generation and so I don't know if there's any final thoughts you want to give and then I would love if you don't mind just praying just a prayer over the audience I know there's a lot of people in here of course and this is what I want to say too a lot of you guys are in the chat here we've already gotten over 30,000 comments tonight I know you guys are saying I'm manifesting I'm manifesting I'm manifesting this is normal guys listen this is normal as we're talking about deliverance we're talking about the demonic for you to manifest Dr Bob Larson is doing zoom deliverances he also has deliverances that he does in person so he has his website you can schedule something we also have our deliverance network on my website we're not competing we're not going back and forth here trying to you know promote more than the other person I told Dr Bob my one of my goals tonight was to introduce him to our audience to get you guys plugged into what he's doing because he has so many resources so many books and opportunities for you guys to learn and i want you guys to be trained and to continue to learn and so that was one of my big goals dr bob i would love you even in the future to have you back on the broadcast do more stuff and this is just as i told you earlier our platform is open to you if you ever want to do a broadcast on our page if you ever want to do a live stream with us it's completely open to you but i would love for you to any final thoughts or anywhere else you'd want to point people to your websites to your training or anything you might want to just share before we close tonight
1: that's that that is most gracious of you. Thank you so much. Well, bob dot and all there, and uh, they can go to our YouTube exorcism channel and see me perform hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of exorcisms and see this in action. And then we do our Wednesday night live stream tomorrow night. Uh, I'm going to be encountering Leviathan the tomorrow Purple night. Whale. <laughs> that's that's going to be interesting. But I do what I do want to. What is really important, we don't want to miss this key, is that God requires of those who are going to step into this realm a holiness, a commitment, a dedication that the average person may not be willing to walk by, Mm -hmm. all right? So let me just tell you, you're not going to smoke weed and be an exorcist. You're not going to play around sexually and be an exorcist, all right? You're not going to be able to walk into work and cast out demons, or it's going to be like the seven sons of Sceva. They're going to have you for lunch, strip you naked, make a fool out of you. You need to walk the walk, and you need to be in fellowship and accountability with other Christians. I know it's hard to find when you're in deliverance ministry, but you need to make sure that what you do has peer review. I'm constantly asking people that, that I hold in high regard, what do you in here? I'm not a lone wolf. I just don't go out. I never have. We need that accountability of those in the body of Christ, of maturity, of people that we respect. And I, let me say one of the most important things that I think has allowed me to have success is an incredible wife and three wonderful daughters. They love the Lord. They serve Jesus Christ. They've been involved in various times in ministry. My oldest daughter, as you know, has traveled with me and cast out demons all over the world. My wife is 1,000% behind what I do, and uh, she has been a homeschooling mother for 20 years for three children to keep our family strong and stable. And you know, I was watching one of your videos and I think the most important thing I saw about you was your wife and your children. You're a family man. You're a responsible individual. You have the proper kind of moral barrier and accountability. A man who's accountable to his wife and to his children has the right to step into this ministry. and I know we're talking to some single people out there, but as you grow in the Lord, that accountability structure, I am who I am today because I'm surrounded by good and godly, mature people who pray for me, who hold me up, who I can share my burdens with. I'm not a lone wolf. I'm here because others have helped me to get here. Yes, I've worked hard. Yes, I've applied myself. Yes, I've been dedicated to the cause of... And many others out there will be too. But will the devil pick you off and destroy you along the way? You know, one thing I've learned, Isaiah, is you. When you've been doing this as long as I have, you manage to outlive your critics. (laughs) most of my critics are either dead or nobody because God has blessed me to continue to have a good long life full of energy and enthusiasm of Jesus because of a great wife, great kids, family, friends my greatest treasure is my family and my friends people who are supportive of me and if you build that structure around you you can do spiritual warfare. You can walk into the jaws of hell and come out victorious.
0: So good. I think that was probably the best thing of the whole podcast there tonight. Dr. Bob, thank you so much for being here. If you don't mind just saying just a quick prayer over the chat before we end here. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to stick around guys after I get Dr. Bob off and I'll do the donations and all that. But I want to make sure that I respect his time as well. So if you don't mind closing us in prayer.
1: The first thing I want to do is all over the world, wherever you are, God sees it, knows it. Reach out a hand toward Isaiah, right? Let's bless him, his ministry, his family, his future in Jesus' name. And Satan, we take authority over you. We know that this is a special man of God and that you have diabolical plans in every way to sidetrack him, to destroy him, to attack his finances, his health, his family. And we As a massive audience of prayer tonight, declare every design, every plan, every assignment of the enemy against this man, his family, his ministry, and all that he stands for will fail. We call destruction upon it tonight, confusion upon it tonight. And we speak blessing, blessing, blessing to this man of God and all that he represents. Prosper him, use him, raise him up mightily, and let him be the energizer of other young men and women of God who rise up in his way to fight the devil and the forces of darkness. And we bless this man. We bless him financially. We bless him spiritually with every good thing from God in the name of Jesus. And I want to say a word to those of you out there who have listened to this, and uh, you may be playing <laughs> You may be feeling funny. You may have a cold chill up your back. You may have said, wow, man, there's just something going on in my head right now. We can't deal with everything that you need but there is help. There is hope. Turn to our ministry. Keep watching Isaiah. And I want to say to the demons that are attacking people now, you evil spirits, your number, God has it. He knows who's watching. He knows, under, knows who is. And we resist you by the blood of Jesus Christ, and we command in the name of our Savior, you let God's people go. And right now, even though it's not my protocol, even though it's not the specifics that I've laid out. We can't do that right now, but there are demons right now. This person is prepared. They want to be free. You let them go in the name of Jesus. We command you to come out of them right now. Go, go in the name of Jesus. Go to the pit. Receive the judgment of Almighty God for what you've done to torment these people. We command this in spiritual agreement in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's a short exorcism. Come I on believe in that mass audience. There's some people who got
0: delivered. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Dr. Bob I'm gonna let you go here. I appreciate you everybody. Please make sure you get on his YouTube page I'm gonna stay on live here, but make sure you get on his page and follow his stuff. Thank you so much. Dr. Bob
1: God bless you. God bless thank you so Have, much. All blessings.
0: You. To you. Have a good night. God bless. Bye. Bye Wow guys, what an incredible time. Wow. 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 I'm speechless. This was incredible guys having dr. Bob on here tonight